Well, um, we are in part two today of our series called Parenting in the Year 2022. And I've got a question to start off with today. Have you ever become the best version of yourself because someone aggravated you there? Have you? No, let me cut you off. The answer is no, no, no. You've never become the best version of yourself because somebody aggravated you there, because somebody took their metaphorical or literal thumb and jammed it into your back and just kind of pushed you there, right? I mean, we, we've never, we've never been our best self. Now, some of you could put up an argument with me, right? Some of you could say, no, nah, I mean, pastor, I mean, let me tell you, there was, this, there was this coach I had when I was growing up, or I had this person, I had this teacher, I had this mentor, I had this parent, and they pushed me. They pushed me hard. They pushed me harder than anyone who'd ever pushed me before, and I, and I, I, I rose to the challenge. They pushed me because they wanted what was best for me, and I rose to the challenge, and it's because of them, and, and, I, and I get that, right? But, but here's the point of that. Yes, you rose to the challenge. Yes, you performed well. Yes, you, you answered in the game's time of need because that coach pushed you and, 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 and made you, you know, brought it out of you and aggravated you there and challenged you there. But here's the thing. You remember that coach. You remember that mentor, that parent, that, 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 whoever that may be. But here's the thing. Was that journey enjoyable? No. It was frustrating, wasn't it? It was hard. It was tough. Sometimes you saw that person coming and you go, oh, geez, here we go, right? I mean, you're like, all right, here we go. I guess we're going to, you know, here we go. You almost had to prepare yourself to receive what they were going to challenge you with next, what they were going to put on you next. And the thing is, is that you, you of course, you could, you could push somebody to, to, to rise to the occasion and they could succeed, but that doesn't mean they become their best self. Here's the truth. Isn't it true? Isn't it true that you've been your best self when someone inspired you there, not pushed you there? Isn't it true that you've really been your best self when somebody has inspired you and you made the decision yourself, not because you were trying to get somebody off your back or to get somebody to stop pushing you so hard, but because you, you wanted to be what they were inspiring you to be. So you, you made the choice. And you made the sacrifices. And you decided yourself to do that. More on that in just a little bit. But we are in this series called Parenting in the Year 2022. And the reason we're talking about this is because it's, it's, it's a challenging thing to parent. And nobody wants to, to mess it up, right? I've never met a parent that said, I, I, yeah, I, I did screw up my kids because I was trying to. No, nobody, nobody tries to screw up the kids. And the thing is, when it comes to being a parent, the truth is, is that your greatest contribution to the world may not be something you do. It may be someone you raise. I mean, all of us are, you know, when we become a parent, we're, we're raising this person that's going to be an influence to the world. And for some of us, that, that may be the greatest thing that we ever do, is raise our children right. And the thing is, is that I, I know some of you, I said this last week, so if you weren't here, I'll, I'll give the speech again. I know some of you aren't parents. Some of you, it's by choice. Some of you, it's not your choice. You'd love to be a parent, but you can't. Some of you, you're single. Some of you, you're engaged, right? Not everybody's a parent. So you're thinking to yourself, some of you are teenagers. Some of you are thinking to yourself, well, I'm going to check out and get on Facebook. Look, don't do that. Because here's the thing. You may not be a parent, but you are an influencer, 
You are going to look, somebody, these, these kids, they are looking up to you. Our teenagers, they are looking up to you. Some of you are youth sponsors. Some of you are small group leaders. Look, some of you, 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 you need to hear this. You're just a really cool guy or a really cool girl, you know? And our kids just think the world of you, and they look up to you. And the thing is, is that every single one of us will make a contribution to the success or the demise of the next generation. This is not so much a parenting series as much as is a series about the next generation. And around here, we ask ourselves this question all the time. How much is the next generation worth? And the answer is everything. We are all about reaching the next generation. We are all about passing the church off to the next generation because one day our kids and our awesome kids department are going to be teenagers. Our teenagers are going to be young adults. And then guess what? Then it's their church, okay? Then it's their, t- it's their time to pick up the ball and carry it a little bit further down the field. It's their church. We never want to hold on to the church for ourselves, right? Amen? So, how do we do this? What does this even look like? Because here's the thing. We talked about this last week. We talked about in the Bible, there really are no good examples of family. I mean, really, if you want to find dysfunctional family, go to the Bible. Start reading the Bible. You'll find dysfunction everywhere. So we really, you know, when we throw out terms like biblical marriage or biblical parenting, that's, I I don't like those words because you could find so many bad examples, more than you could good examples. So what do we do? Well, we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus and we look at the authors of the the New Testament. And what we see is when we see Jesus is we see something that Jesus did that that we could learn as parents is, is Jesus, he lived in this tension. And it was this tension between the real and the ideal, Okay. What that means is, is he, he helped people navigate through the reality of things, right? When something happens, it may be good, it may be bad, but sometimes you just got to deal with stuff. That's the reality of things. And so Jesus came and he helped people navigate through the reality of things. Hey, you've sinned. Hey, there's sin in the world. Hey, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. The woman at the well is a great example. He goes, hey, the man you woke up with this morning ain't the only man you've been with lately, is it? You know what I mean? He, he was real. He was honest with people. He, he helped them navigate through the reality of things and told them what they needed to do. However, he also aimed for the ideal. He pointed to what heaven was going to look like and even told them to pray. When you pray, pray that heaven would come down to earth, that, that, that we would live as if we're already in heaven. And it was extreme. It seemed impractical. It seemed almost impossible. But he never quit aiming for the ideal. And for us as parents, what we can learn from that is that that's how we should parent. We should live in this tension between the real in the ideal. We should aim for the ideal. There is a preferred future for your child. You have a preferred future in mind. God has a preferred future in mind. A preferred future when it comes to their finances, their health, their sexuality, their relationship with God. You name it, there's a preferred future that God has in mind. And we should never stop aiming towards that. But Hey, life happens. The world is broken. We don't always measure up to that. And so sometimes we have to deal with the reality of things. I used a great example with somebody this week because somebody sat down with me and they said, hey, I didn't watch on Sunday. What was the sermon about? And I said, well, we talked about this tension between the real and ideal. Like ideally, ideally, we would never become dependent on medication to be healthy, right? 
Ideally, we would eat right, we would exercise, we would sleep well, we would live and not have to be dependent on any medication. But what happens? Sometimes it's out of our control. Sometimes you could give your best effort, you could do everything you can, and then the reality is, is that you have to take medication. That's a perfect example of aim for the ideal. Yeah, but what if this happens? Well, then we navigate through it. And that's what we should do for our kids. But there's a practical way that that looks. And it was how John described Jesus. John, when he wrote his gospel, he, he had this great advantage of writing it at the end of his life. And this is what John said. We talked about this last week. He said, the word became flesh, made his dwelling place among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the only son who came from the father. And he was full of grace and full of truth. Jesus was not a balance of. He didn't play good cop, bad cop. He was all grace, all truth, all the time. And that's where we, who we need to be to our kids. So we, we summed up last week like this. This is how we ended last week. Parenting is preparing kids for their future. And I, I need you to pay attention to this today because this is really going to be part of today's message. It's preparing kids for, let's say it, their future. Put a pen in that. And the next part, by helping them navigate through what is real and aiming for what is ideal, all while being, all grace, all truth, all the time. So that's where we left off last week. But today, I want to actually take you back to John because there was something else that John said we didn't get to dive into very much. It's still found in that very first chapter, the very first verses that John wrote. Let's take you back to John. This is what he said. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now, I know sometimes that just flies over your head and you don't think about it for very long. But you, you got to realize exactly what this means because this is, this is huge. What John is telling us, what they discovered is that Jesus was God in human form on earth. God made the conscious decision to take himself in all his glory, omnipresent, above all else, king of kings, right? We're down here. He's way up here. He made the conscious decision to become flesh. Just think about that for a minute. He made the decision to become flesh. He put himself in a a body, okay? Nobody likes their body, amen, right? Nobody likes their body. The body is a complicated thing, okay? I tried to enjoy, maybe it was my daughter's birthday yesterday. I tried to enjoy myself for one day. I had a piece of cake, and then another at midnight, but that's besides the point. <laughs> she wanted, my little girl just wanted chicken Alfredo and garlic bread. I don't ever eat pasta, ever. It's been years, so I had some pasta. I had some garlic cheesy bread. My throat feels like lava today, okay? Like... I'm hurting. My body is stupid. What is this? Okay. I mean, the body, God, God made the decision to put himself in a body, a body that has to feel, a body that could have sinned but chose not to. I mean, he was hungry. He was sick. He was cold. He was hot. He was uncomfortable. God made the decision to put himself in that place. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? He did that for you and for I. And, and that's not all, but he also put himself around us. <laughs> how, how many of you guys work from home now, right? 
Any of you? You love it. I've talked to some of you. I know some, some of you, you love it. Some of you don't. Some of you do. And the greatest thing you like about it is I don't have to see stupid people anymore. It's great. I love working at home. I don't have to see Karen anymore at the copier. It's fantastic, right? And, and, but here's the thing. God could have chosen to work from home, and he didn't. He he made the conscious decision. He didn't have to. He made the decision to put himself around all the stupid people. Us. That's what he chose to do. I, I love the way Paul put it. Paul put it this way. He said, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Instead, he chose to take a disadvantage. And then he finishes it this way. He said, rather, he made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. You know what that means? God chose to take a step down. God chose to put himself at a disadvantage. God made himself nothing. He he chose to come here and to be a servant, to die for us, to wash our feet. He put himself down there at that position. It's something that I've heard before that has stuck with me for a long time that I've heard people write about and people talk about. Is a great way to sum this up is this. God chose to move at our pace. God chose to move at our pace. He made the conscious decision. He loved us so much that instead of coming down to earth and bossing us around and using his power, using his knowledge, using his experience of the world, instead of coming down and putting his thumb to our back and trying to push us to who he created us to be, he made the decision to come down here to put himself at a disadvantage, to serve us, and to slow things down and to move at a pace we could keep up with, to put himself right next to us so that we could catch up. And if you don't know this already, you know that as Christians, one of the things that Jesus told the disciples to do, what it meant to be a follower of Christ, is he said, here's what I want you to do. Paul refers to it as the, the law of Christ, but the law of Christ is this. Love others as Jesus loved you. Right? That's what it means to be a Christian. It means to be a follower of Christ. Jesus told the disciples, I want you to love one another in the way that I have loved you. So here's the thing. God so loved you that he made the decision to move at your pace, to slow things down, to come to your level, to put a disadvantage on himself to become nothing, to better serve you. So do you know what that means? For us, as mentors and as parents, as teachers, as coaches, it's our calling. It's our calling to love our kids in the same way that Jesus first loved us. And you know what that means? That means slowing down at a pace that our kids can keep up with. That's what it means. That's what it looks like. And here's the thing. You know this. I know this. You know, you remember whenever your, your, your kid was little and they start to walk? And you remember when you, you just had to give them your finger to hold? <laughs> you remember that, right? 
Like you're, you're trying to keep up with your kid, and their hand is so little, it just it fits perfectly around your finger. That's my favorite, right? Like they can't hold your whole hand, but they can hold your finger. So you just go out and you put your finger there, and you walk next to your kid. And, and what happens whenever you do that? Your, your, your kid grabs your finger, and, and their feet look like this, right? It looks like they're sprinting is what it looks like, right? But your, your walk, it looks like this, right? That's what it looks like for you. You got to slow down. You got to go at their pace. I see it with kids all the time. Uh, my kids are in summer school, and Declan Ware's in summer school. Here comes Shane and Emberly. Emberly just looks like she's running a race, right? Shane looks like she's just going at the most peaceful pace in the world, you know? Emberly's got her whole hand wrapped around Shane's little finger, right? And they're walking together. That's what it looks like, what God did for you. God put his finger out, and he chose to walk at a pace that you could keep up with. And the thing is, is that as parents, as parents, that's what you're to do too, is to slow down, is to go at a pace that your child can keep up with. Because what happens if we don't? If we don't, what happens? We separate. That's what happens. We separate from our kids. And here's the thing. Here's kind of the the warning to you is that if you don't slow down for your kids, here's what will happen. You'll separate from your kids. You've got to go at their pace. You've got to slow down from, for them because that's what, that's what love is. You know, Paul, he, he put handlebars on what, what love is. He, he gave us some understanding. He fleshes out kind of the teachings of Jesus, even though he, was, he never met Jesus or wasn't around Jesus. But he put handlebars on exactly what love is. And in 1 Corinthians, he tells us what love is. He says this, love is, can you finish it? The very first thing, the very first thing that he says is love is patient. Now, why did he have to start there, Right? Now, some of you, you don't know what patient is. Okay, you've never heard this word, all right? Let me, let me give you a, a biblical, let me exegete this for you a little bit, okay? What is patience? That, that means that love accepts delays. Love accepts delays. Love accepts problems. Love moves at someone else's pace. Love is not pushy. Now, just look at that. Memorize that. Burn it into your brain. (laughs) Is that how you love your kids? Is that how you love your kid when they are delayed? Is that how you love your kid when there are problems? Do you move at their pace, or are you trying to push them there? Because here's the thing. If we don't love them with patience, if we aren't patient with them, what happens is what I just told you. We're going to separate from them. If you are pushy on your kid, let me tell you something. That kid may not want to come home in the future. So as a parent, you've got to ask yourself, are you moving at their pace? Let me take a little side exit here and go over here, and this will speak to everybody in the room, whether you're a parent or not. Here's the thing. This also applies, guys, to the church and the next generation. 
You don't have to worry about this here because I've already told you what our agenda is and what we're trying to do. But you all know a family member or a friend that goes to another church, right? Either in town or across the state or whatever else or something else. When they talk about the next generation, is it very optimistically? No. Is it very positive? No. They talk about, oh, that snowflake generation, them and their woke agenda, right? That's how we talk about this generation that's behind this, this generation that's coming up. And let me give a warning, and you can just like go clip this and share it with the internet because I'm fine to say it, is that here's the thing. Keep talking like that and watch how much the next generation separates from the church. Keep talking like that. And when it finally comes time where you're comfortable handing off the church to the next generation, which I'll just be blunt because it doesn't apply to anybody in this room, most of these churches will never get there because most of these churches are never going to want to hand off the church to the next generation unless God takes them from this place. When they're dead is when the next, this older generation will finally pass off the church to the younger generation. Okay? Now, again, that doesn't apply to any of you. So you can all say amen. Amen, right? But here's the thing. That's the truth. But here's the thing. Keep up the bad negative talk about this younger generation. And when you do finally come to the spot where you're ready to hand it off, they won't want to take it. They'll say, keep your church. We don't like it. It's full of hypocrites and hateful people anyway. Okay? We have to be aware of this. The church the church also has to choose to move at the pace of the next generation. We as the church also have to choose to be patient with the next generation. Because if we don't, we will separate from them and we will lose them. We have potential of separating ourselves from our kids, separating ourselves from the next generation, but not just separate, but the other thing is we have the potential to frustrate. And let me tell you about what the Bible says about frustrating the next generation. There is one little key verse about parenting that Paul has. Again, Paul doesn't talk much about parenting, but he does have one thing. So if we want to be biblical for today, let's throw out some Bible verses about parenting and what Paul says. But you're not going to like it, so <laughs> it's just a pre-warning. But, but Paul does have some parenting advice, but here's the great news. He only directs it to you, Dad. So all the moms, just get ready to elbow your husband, okay? All right? This is the time. Just go ahead and elbow those men next to you. Because he does, Paul does have a, a word of wisdom or a command, if you'd like to take it that way. Here's the biblical advice of Paul when it comes to fathers. He says, fathers, do not provoke or irritate or fret your children. Do not be hard on them or harass them. Anybody else want to be biblical today? <laughs> Why do you think he uh, directs that towards dads? I wanted to save this for Father's Day so bad. <laughs> but I knew all of you guys aren't going to be here, so I decided to put it in this week. So, but fathers, seriously, listen up. Listen to me, men. Isn't it true that if anybody is hard on the kid, it's you? Isn't it true that if anybody likes to provoke and irritate or fret our children? Fret, if you don't know what that means, means putting fear in them. If you don't, well, let me tell you, if you choose to do that, that's fret. Do not be hard on them or harass them, is what Paul says. 
Otherwise, do you know what the consequences are? Otherwise, this is what will happen. He says, do not be hard on them or harass them, lest they become discouraged and sullen and, and fear, feel inferior and frustrated. Do not break their spirits. Again, why is Paul only talking to the dads? Because dads, that's what we do. That's one of the hardest things to do. And I know what you're going to say. I know what all the dads are thinking, right? All the, all the men, all the dads in the room are thinking, but you, you know, you got you know, you to you challenge your kids. You got to push your kids, you know? And you might say this. You might email me and say this. But if we don't push our kids, they, they may turn out what? Go, go ahead, because I heard, hear this all the time. If we don't push our kids, if we don't push the next generation, they will turn out what? Let me tell you. Well, see, the teenagers know, because the teenagers are already saying it. See? Man, that was on cue, Savannah. I didn't even pay her to do that, right? They know. They know exactly what I'm talking about, because they feel it from you all. Here's what you're saying. They may not turn out the way I want them to turn out. Oh, the way you want them to turn out. And what is that? Let me ask you a scary question. But, but, but what if who you want them to be isn't who God made them to be? What if who you want them to be isn't who God made them to be? What if there's a disagreement about that? Then who wins? Let me, let me ask you a question. Wouldn't it be better to discover who they were born to be and facilitate that. Uh, recently, I had a friend. Uh, we were talking, and I hadn't seen him in a little while. And he's got he's got kids. He's got boys. So I asked him and said, "Hey, how are the boys doing?" And uh, he said, "Well, my son, his son's a little socially awkward. Um, you know, he had, he's a middle schooler now. Has a hard time fitting in." pandemic wasn't great for their family and stuff, you know, and so they're kind of living through that and everything, and he said, well, you know how my son is, you know, he can't really make friends, and he's struggling and everything, and uh, so anyway, uh, I told him, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm making him play football next year, and hopefully that'll fix it. Yeah, thank you, Savannah. Yeah, it's harsh. Yeah, inside, inside, uh, my pastor was screaming. I don't know if you know this, pastor's have this internal scream that sometimes is let off. And my wife says, my wife says it's not good for me because she says my face always shows what I'm thinking. You know what I mean? So he said that and I went, <laughs> he goes, are you okay? Yeah, I'll be praying for you. I have to go now, right? Inside, the pastor me was screaming because inside I was thinking, okay, so you're a socially awkward son who doesn't like to be around people, um, who has a hard time making friends. Your solution is to uh, force him to play a team sport where contact violence is necessary. Okay. <laughs> he won't tell that to his counselor in 20 years. You know, no, this is... This is going to be fine. Great solution. Great solution. Good idea. I mean, that, that's his solution, right? And many of us, look, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't blame, I understand, okay? And I've heard this before, right? And again, 
I feel like I'm preaching to the dads a little bit more today, okay? Because I feel like a lot of this is a dad thing. Although, you know, it's... Moms deal with it too, but really, like us dads, there's a thing in us where we want our kid to turn out, I'll use your word, normal. Come on, let's be honest, right? But let me ask you, what, what in the world is normal? What is normal? That's normal is something you defined. Normal is something you made up. Normal is something you're letting culture tell you what is normal, Okay? Why are you worried about your kid being normal? Let me tell you something. If your battle is trying to make your kid normal instead of who God wants them to be, take luck. Because it's, that, that, that is a battle you are probably going to lose and frustrate your way through. And again, if you aren't careful, if you aren't careful when they're an adult, if you separate from them emotionally, and mentally, the day where they don't have to be at home, they won't come home. That's the thing. Let me tell you what I'm doing with my kids. And I'm trying not every week to use my kids as an example. Because some, one of you guys went and told Olivia that I used her and Declan in a metaphorical future where they were married and stuff. Thanks a lot for that. Because my daughter met me at the door last Sunday and was punched me in the gut and goes, Did you tell people I was in love with Declan? Thank you for that, all right? I said, no, it was a sermon illustration. She goes, well, it's true, so now, you know, anyway. I didn't tell you that. I didn't tell you that. I did not tell you that. But anyway, my kids, okay? Let me tell you something about my kids, okay? My daughter, many of you know my daughter. I have an eight-year-old daughter. I have a five-year-old son. My eight-year-old daughter, Olivia, if you spent enough time with her, you would describe her as sassy, Okay? You would describe her. Many people, when they meet Olivia, they look at me and they go, good luck. Um, they go, she's going to be fun when she's a teenager. Um, oh, you're in a world of trouble is what they tell me, right? Because Olivia is sassy. She's very confident. She will look you, doesn't matter what age you are, she will look you right in the eyes and tell you if you're doing something wrong or right or that she doesn't like something, right? Um, she's very, very direct. She's a bit intimidating. Um, she gather, she's a gatherer of people. She's a little leader at school. She's always in the school drama because she's always trying to fix it. And she keeps putting herself in situations where she becomes like this pastor to all of her friends. And she goes, I told Kenley that she needed to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Liv, just stay out of it, right? She's all these things, and she's a bit intimidating. She's a bit much. She's a bit, you know, whatever. Here's the thing. As she's a female, right? And as a female, when we see females exhibit this kind, these kind of attributes, this kind of behavior where they're confident, they're outspoken, they say what's on their mind, they direct people, they'll tell it right to your face, how do we uh, describe them? A diva. That's how we describe them. Some people have described my daughter as a diva, right? And they've said, good luck to you. You better turn that down, better tame that tiger, right? But do you know what I've learned as a leader and as a father? Is if she wasn't a female, if she was a male, and she had all those same characteristics, do you know what you would call her if she was a boy? Bam! There it is! We're on fire today! <laughs> See, why am I even preaching? Y'all already know this stuff! 
Y'all are guessing we should make this into a guess it game because y'all are filling in the blanks just fine. Yeah. If she was a boy, we'd call her a leader. You know why she's like that? Because she's a little copy of her daddy. Because those are my attributes. That's who I am as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a pastor. These are my gifts. She has my gifts. But because she's a girl, you want me to tame her? You want me to tone her down? You want to identify it as a derogatory thing? Let me tell you, as a parent, I don't. I don't tone her down. I, I encourage her because I see gifts in her, and I know what they can do, and I know the impact that they could have on the world and the kingdom of God. And so I know her pace. I know Olivia's pace. I know what she's capable of. And so my expectations of her are totally different than my son, Brayden. And it's not because of their age. It's because of her gifts. It's because I know what she can be, and I know that she could use it for the bad or the good of the world. And I have to teach her to balance those because if the devil gets a hold of her and I push her away from me and I push her away from God... She could use those same gifts to manipulate people, to take advantage of people, to be greedy, and to steal from people. But I have to push her towards Christ and take those gifts that God give, gave her and show her how to use them for good in the world. I know her pace, and I facilitate that because that's who God made her to be. Now, my son... Whew, He's very different. Um, <laughs> so Olivia is my leader, my soccer player, my jujitsu choke boys out, make them tap. I want to take over the world and start a YouTube channel. That's my daughter. My son wants to play Fortnite all day. Um, he's different. <laughs> Brayden has no interest in soccer, okay? I had to pay him to kick the ball. I said, please, your grandparents are here to watch you. They flew, they flew here. Just kick the ball once. Please kick the ball once. I'll buy you ice cream. And then he kicked it and he looked at me and he goes, did it. <laughs> and he went and sat down. <laughs> did it. Peace. Ice cream. Cherry. Cherry Garcia. Now, that's my son. Okay. That's my son. He has no interest in any of these things. He has literally told his mom. He has literally told his mom, Mom, I can't wait to grow up and be an adult and sit on this couch with you and eat snacks and watch your doctor shows with you. <laughs> goals, right? That's my son's goals. That's my son, okay? Here's the thing. <laughs> he has a different pace. It's a lot slower than his sister's, all right? He has a different pace. But here's the thing. What do you think the solution is? Sign him up for football? No. Not going to do that. Okay? Fortnite tournament. There you go. You're on the roll. Here's what I do with my son. Let me tell you what I do with my son, and I'm going to try not to cry again, okay? I, my son, he does. He loves playing video games. He got this little Nintendo Switch for his birthday like six months ago, and he loves playing, he loves playing video games with a bunch of the boys and stuff at church. You know what I did? started playing video games with my son. That's what I did. started playing video games with my son, and then we started streaming it because I stream video games during the week. So then I started streaming my son and I playing video games. Do you know what I discovered about my son? 
my son does have a lot of the same gifts that Olivia has. He's extremely bossy when we play video games together. <laughs> he bosses Will around. He bosses me around. This week, we played with Adam Spees and Brandon Smith. And he goes, who is this? It's Adam and Brandon. All right, Brandon, you come here. You're with me. Come here right now. I mean, this is Brandon Smith we're talking about. He don't care at all, right? He does, though. He has a lot of the, he does have these gifts and abilities and things that I didn't even know were in him. Do you know how I discovered that they were in him? I made the decision to move at his pace. I did not make him fit into the world I have imagined for him. I put myself in his world. Do you know what the number one challenge is for you as a parent? It's this. It's pride. Because we all fall into the comparison trap of what our kids doing and what other kids are doing. How our kids developing and how the other kids developing. What their kid has accomplished and what our kid has accomplished. How much we want our kids to be like us. And people make comments and people say, he's not yet. They're not yet. She, she can't. And inside it causes turmoil in you. You feel like you have to explain yourself out of that box, don't you parents? And your pride hits you. Because you want to be able to be proud of your kid. But really when you say you want to be proud of your kid, you want to not be embarrassed by your kid. But can I remind you of something? Being a parent isn't about you. It's preparing your kid for their future. It's facilitating who God created them to be. I hear parents say all the time, I would die for my kids. And I don't disbelieve you. I would die for my kids. I think you would. But do you know what's even more challenging than dying for your kids? You probably won't get an opportunity, I pray, to die for your kids. But you know what you can do if you mean it? You can lay your life down for your kids. You can lay down what you want for who God wants them to be. You can accept the annoyances. You can accept where they're different. You can accept the hiccups. You can accept the roadblocks. You can accept all that. And instead of trying to push them into who you want them to be, you can love them for who they are. You can stop trying to jam them into your world and who you want them to be, and instead you can step into their world and be the parent that they want you to be. To live in that tension between the real and the not ideal, you will need patience. Patience. And that's what I want for you as parents. I want you to be able to be patient with your kid, to not push them to who you want them to be, but instead understand who God made them to be and facilitate that. And it's the same for you small group leaders. It's the same, same for you mentors and influencers. 
to be aware of the things that we say to these kids. To find out who they are and to try to facilitate that. And teenagers, some of you teenagers, let me tell you something. Teenagers, here's where you fit into this. I'm so glad you guys are here. I'm so glad there's so many of you guys. You guys are going to have an awesome week at camp. For you teenagers, it takes you communicating with your parents of how you feel, of what you're going through, of what you want your parents to know about you and what you're experiencing. Because we don't always know and we don't always see and we're not with you at school and you have all kinds of thoughts and feelings and you're growing up and, and all this stuff. Don't surprise us when you're 21, okay? Talk to your parents. Spend time with your parents. Tell them how it is you feel, what you're thinking. Ask questions. And look, I'm working on your parents on how to answer some of those questions. But look, and I know y'all all have questions, but when you have questions, don't go to TikTok for the answers. Because I'm telling you, there's traps laid all over there for you. Don't go to Snapchat and TikTok for the answers. Go to your parents. Go to Pastor Ashley. Go to your sponsors that love you guys. Go to me, because I'm telling you, you know. You know I love you. And you know I care for you. You can always come to me. But don't run to that other stuff. So, that is my prayer for our church, for this next generation. That we would exhibit the same kind of love that Jesus exhibited for us with patience. Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, Father God, we thank you so much. I thank you for all of these parents, all of these mentors and influencers, all these people, and I thank you for our teenagers. I pray that they would have a great week at camp. Would you as parents help us some of us are parents, some of us are step-parents, some of us are grandparents, some of us are uncles, aunts. Would you help us to love our kids by choosing to move at their pace? Would we not rule with an iron fist? Would we not push them in the back as hard as we can to become who we want them to be? Because God, my fear is that we would separate from our children. And all of us want a relationship with our kids in the future. So will you help us to live that out? Would you help us to have patience? Would you help us to live in the tension between the real and the ideal? In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, real quick, I got three questions for you to continue the discussion. And let me read them to you, and then I'll let you go. Parenting has the potential to bring out the ego in us, the fear in us, the insecurity in us, the anger in us. Which one, if any, do you relate to most? The second question is, is where, did you, where did your parents fall on the patient to pushy scale? Did your parents exasperate, aggravate, frustrate you? And where do you need to be more patient with each of your kids or with the next generation? This would be a great discussion to have over lunch, a great discussion to have driving home. Talk about this with your spouse. Talk about this with your, with your ex-husband or your ex-wife. Talk about this with your friends because this could help you become that parent that you are trying to be. Hope you guys have a great week. Will you guys stand, shake somebody's hand, tell them I'm so glad to see you, and join us next week for Father's Day.